You are listening to You Were Made For This, the podcast to help transform your relationships into the best they can be. Welcome to You Were Made For This. If you find yourself wanting more from your relationships, you've come to the right place. Here you'll discover practical principles you can use to experience the life-giving relationships you were made for. And now here's your host, John Sertalic. Hey, thank you, Carol, and hello, everyone. I'm so glad you've joined us today for episode 143, Initiate with People to Enrich Our Life, Part 1. I first met my wife in high school when we were both in ninth grade. We didn't talk to each other much until our junior year when she became co-editor of our school newspaper. Things took a big leap forward when she asked me to write a humor column for the Campus Courier. So when I started writing my column, it was called Off the Beaten Path, Janet became my boss, my first boss. Well, Carol's my boss too, but Janet's been my boss the longest. I get both of them a Boss's Day card every October 16th. Janet's editorial skills and experience came into play the other day after she listened to episode 140. That was the one about thank you notes. She liked the examples I gave in that program from my own life about doing good for others to the extent people thank you for it. She said, You know, if you're going to tell people what to do with their relationships, you have to be doing the same thing yourself. Well, I couldn't agree with her more. It made me think about episode 141, the one about a relational resolution I suggested for this year to initiate with people. It made me think I needed to do something that illustrated that. Since I'm recommending this to others, I really need to do it myself, initiate with people. So I decided to initiate with one of our previous podcast guests, Josephine, a missionary serving in Eastern Europe. Now, her real name isn't Josephine, but for security reasons in her part of the world, I'm calling her that. And also because Josephine was the name of my grandmother, who was born in Eastern Europe and emigrated to the U.S. when she was 18. As you listen in to my Zoom conversation with Josephine, See what ideas you can pick up for having a similar conversation with someone that you initiate with. Our conversation begins with me reminding Josephine of the last time we talked. So, listen in. We last talked about a year ago. It was in episode 83. Uh, you, you and I, Josephine, and we were talking about your experience with Christmas and and um, you shared that wonderful story about um, the um, people in your area in Eastern Europe there. The musicians came and invited you to uh, play with them. And you play the clarinet? Or is that the old? Yeah, I thought it was the old. Yeah, clarinet. Okay. Yeah. And that was, just, that was just a great thing. And you went to be with them in community rather than spending Christmas Eve in your pajamas. That was just really very, very touching. So... Well, anyway, for, for our listeners that don't really know that much about missionaries, I know you are, you're in Eastern Europe, 
and occasionally you come home on home assignment or furlough. What is what is that all about, and what's what is its purpose, and how did it go for you this most recent time? Yeah, so I've been um, in missions as a missionary since 2009, and my pattern has been I'm on the field overseas for two years, and then I come back to the States uh, about every three months. And my, my goals for that kind of depend on what the needs are. If I need to raise funds or if I'm feeling a little burnt out, or if I just need to connect with people, they really do change. But just generally speaking, it's a time of reconnecting with people, refreshing, and hopefully re-envisioning um, are some of my, my main goals whenever I go back. So reconnecting, refreshing and re-envisioning are were my three my three goals from this last time and you just got back to eastern europe just a few uh just under two weeks yeah 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 and how how was your how was your home assignment uh the most recent one how did that go for you i i have been telling people it's been very it was very chaotic (laughs) um nothing Very little went to plan, and I'm not sure how many home assignments I've had now, but it was probably the most chaotic one that I've had before. Like any, all the expectations I had for it kind of went out the door. Um, But I'm not saying it was bad; it was just not what I was expecting, and it was a bit more stressful than I was realizing. And I think because I've lived over here in Eastern Europe for so long, this does feel more normal and more normative to me being over here. And a lot of times going back to the culture I grew up in, uh, it can feel more stressful. That's, that was one of my takeaways now that I've been back here for two weeks, almost two weeks. Yeah. So it's, it's less stressful where you are now in Eastern Europe. Did I hear you right? Yeah, it, which, I mean, I there's great things about being back in the States, about being with family, not having to translate all the time into a different language, those types, those types of things, but just some of the inner turmoil. I remember somebody saying missionaries when they come back on home assignments and furloughs are like invisible aliens that we, we look, we look the same, but inside we're different. You know, people they'll see me. I look the same, but, um, but inside you change a bit. So internally it does feel less stressful to be back. Um, back in this culture, which is, I can't, part of me can't believe I'm saying that, but it's true. I want to stop here for a moment. What Josephine said about where she feels most comfortable often comes as a surprise to people here in the States who have limited exposure to missionaries. Another missionary once told me he feels like a fish out of water when he comes back to the U.S. from Southeast Asia where he serves. You know, we often assume missionaries can't wait to get back to America because of all the creature comforts we enjoy here. But it's not often like that, as Josephine points out. Back to our conversation. How did, how did uh, people respond to you back in the States when you returned? Or when they saw you, not necessarily when, when you returned. How did, how did they respond depends on who I'm talking with. Um, I will say one thing that can be a struggle for missionaries, especially from the South, is I'm not sure how it is, like the South and the U.S. Sometimes there can be kind of this celebrity (laughs) status that ends up being in the churches, and I did feel some of that a little bit because I do a lot of speaking in front of people, a lot of public speaking, a lot of reporting, and less of the one-on-one coffees and, and um, 
and meals with people. And so that's one way that people respond to me is this, there, I feel a distance um, and people, it's, it's hard for people. Sometimes I find it's hard for people to know what to ask me <laughs> when I get back because my life is, is quite different from their day to day. Uh, but that's people that don't know me as well. Those that know me better, like my family, my closest friends, it's, it's strangely normal now to see them every two years. <laughs> it's very strange. Uh-huh. And, and how is it uh, saying goodbye to them just a few weeks ago? I always, um, when I first started in this role as being a missionary, I thought I would, the, the goodbyes would get easier. And I actually find the goodbyes get harder um, every mm-hmm. time I come back. I don't know if it's harder as much as my expectations that they would be easier, but it's always hard. I was actually reflecting on this today. I think one of the hardest things for me in this, in my role and in this, I'll use, I don't know if you want to use the word calling, but it's just the continual hellos and goodbyes that come with it. Um, yeah. And so it's, it is a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. One, one of the things I, I wanted to ask you about your, your time back here in the States was something you posted on Facebook that was just delightful. You had contacted three of your former music teachers mm-hmm. Tell me about that. What prompted that and how, how did that go for you? And what, what did you get out of that? I received a ton out of that. So uh, my, my undergrad, well, not even my undergrad, I started in band when I was in middle school, I guess I was about 12 or 13 years old. And then I actually studied music when I was in college and my band directors, especially well, all the way through my band directors, my music teachers have had a really strong influence on my life. And as I was reflecting back, I just wanted to express my appreciation for them and my thanks and just clearly communicate some of the impact they've had on me and just me personally. And also, I really thought they would receive some joy in knowing I'm still playing. And so they've invested in me as a person, but then also as a musician and the fact that I still play here, I really wanted to share that with them. So um, I sought out and looked up my um, three of my former teachers and we got to connect and it was, it was great. I actually got to speak to a couple of classes, a couple of beginner clarinet and flute and saxophone classes about um, how I get still get to be part of music now, which it was, it was a huge gift for me and I believe yeah. for them too. I've got to interject here for a moment. Isn't this a great example of the benefits of initiating with people? Expressing her gratitude to three older adults for the positive impact they had on her life? Josephine intentionally wanted to spread a little joy in the lives of her former teachers. What a kind and caring gesture on her part. And notice what she said. She said, it was a huge gift for me and for them too. You know, that's the way it often is when we initiate with people. It does bring a huge benefit to us. Let's continue on with our conversation. What kinds of things did you say to these music students? Well, I showed them a video on YouTube that I'm that I'm in um, and I showed them and talked to them about how music is one of the things that can break down barriers with people Um, with the group that I'm in. uh, 
I, I know I'm not fully going to be like the people here. I wasn't born here. I have an American passport. Um, but I, I play clarinet and they play instruments. And we, even if I didn't speak one word of the local language, which I do, but even if I didn't, we would still be able to sit down and play music together. And so it's a great way of building community, of learning about culture, of being involved in the community that you, that you wouldn't be able to do if you weren't able to play a musical instrument. So it was, and it's opened up doors. It's opened up a lot of doors for me. So just, and I don't do it professionally. I just do it for fun. Yeah. Yeah, I never would have guessed that. I'm not a music person, and so it's it's intriguing for me to uh, hear you, who is who are who is a music person, explain how that does break down barriers. That's that's great. Well, one thing else I, I've been wondering about is you mentioned you came to Eastern Europe in 2009. What what led you to become a missionary in the first place? have like three hours to answer that question, right? Is that right? <laughs> three and a half. We got three and a half hours here. <laughs> well, the short version is, um, I think like most of us on some level, I've always, ever since I was a kid, I've always had this desire to make a mark on the world and achieve things, but really just leave it like a legacy. And even through high school, when I was in high school, I was, you know, had top grades and so I was top musician and things like that. But what ended up happening is that I became a Christian my senior year in high school. And this desire, while imperfectly, this desire imperfectly changed from wanting to make a name for myself and accomplishing all these things to wanting to serve other people and to serve God in different places. So that's what changed my senior year in high school. Um, I think of Paul, the apostle Paul, when he talks about how he was a persecutor of the church and his zeal was actually turned once he became um, a Christian. So that happened my senior year in high school. Um, and then as I got to college, I was exposed to the vast needs around the world and the opportunities and started going on mission trips, started serving international students um, at my college and was just struck by all of the, the, the um, advantages I would say that I have um, as an American, like things like how many Bibles are, are available at your local Christian bookstore, um, yeah. how many, how I can turn on the radio and there's a, you know, like a, um, I have options of what Christian programming to listen to, but not even that too, just humanitarian aid type things. The fact that we are um, amongst the most, you know, wealthy of all the nations, it just really struck me. And so it was really formative for me in, in college. And then after college, I was a middle school band director and I was doing these short-term trips, um, but I just really felt compelled to maybe do something on a longer term. And I remember one of the um, key moments for me was as I was praying about potentially moving overseas, I had this kind of this visual of if I had, if I, when I potentially resigned from being a middle school band director, which I loved, um, there would be a stack of applications for my job, um, but nobody, mm -hmm. nobody was trying to apply to go serve in Eastern Europe. <laughs> so mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. the visual of that was huge for me of, of, of just no, of understanding more of the need. And I'm, I, mm -hmm. that, that was huge. So that, those are some of the circumstances that ended up leading me over here. Yeah. Yeah. I need to interject again here for a moment. 
You know, asking someone how they came to be whatever they are doing now is one way to initiate with people. It's something you can start asking people you want to go deeper with in your relationship. More often than not, people will have an interesting story to tell. And many times their story will have God's fingerprints all over their story. So give it a try. Ask someone what led them to do what they are doing now. It will encourage the person you're talking to, and you could very well be encouraged yourself. Uh, You mentioned you became a Christian in... Was it ninth grade or high school? I, I don't recall. My senior year in high school. Yeah. What? Tell me about that. How did that happen? Yeah, it's kind of the the classic. I um, I shouldn't say classic, but I went to the I went to a Christian I, sports camp, and all I heard was sports camp. I did not hear the Christian part of that. And um, uh-huh. uh, about Tuesday of that camp, I wanted to leave. Actually, I did leave. I left to go to practice. And then decided to come back on Wednesday and then Wednesday understood the gospel for the first time um, and understood that I was a sinner, understood that it wasn't just good works or not cussing and not wearing spaghetti strap t-shirts. I don't know. That was a thing for me that I, I don't know. (laughs) Those weren't the things that, you know, got you into heaven. I didn't understand that until, until that camp. And that's when I became a Christian. I see. Great. Great. Well, what led you to, I mean, of all the places in the world you could have gone to, to make a difference, to make an impact, uh, why, why Eastern Europe? Good question. I ask myself that question all the time. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I went with our mission organization and um, to their orientation program. And I, I felt I had a very strong calling to be a missionary and serve some way, but I didn't really have a strong calling to anywhere in particular. And I thought all missionaries go to China or Africa or Asia, because that's where you're supposed to go. But I did, I just didn't know. And so the night before a group of missionaries were going to get up in front of us candidates um, and vision casts for their teams and their countries, I actually I was meditating on Psalm 37, where it talks about delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I wrote mm-hmm. down, I wrote down a list of things that were my desires. And I felt like it was a very non-spiritual list, to be honest with you. Um, I wrote down things like, I want to be in the mountains. Um, I want uh-huh. to be able to use some of my athletic tendencies, like to have some freedom to go running and do sports. Um, I wanted to use music. Uh, I wanted it to be pretty. <laughs> like I didn't want it to be too cold. Like, these are the things that I wrote down. Um, and I didn't want to stick out as a foreigner. Like, I just, I didn't want to stick out too much. So that's literally the list I put down. And the next day, all these missionaries got up and were vision casting for their areas. And I kept thinking, I'm going to go to China. I'm going to go to Nepal. I'm going to go to this place. And somebody got up there from Eastern Europe. And I'm not kidding you, basically read down my list. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and so... That's how it's, that's how I ended up here. Uh (laughs) And I didn't, and I didn't understand the needs here. Like I, it wasn't until I came here that I understood the vast needs here. So that came afterwards. What are, I know this is kind of a general question, but what are, what are the people like in Eastern Europe? What, 
you know, how are they different from people here in the U.S.? What are, what do they value? What do they, how do they view relationships? You know, this podcast really is about relationships. And I'm kind of curious about how, how the people in Eastern Europe, the people that, that you hang around with, how, how they view relationships. What, what is their worldview like? What, what do they, what do they think about God? Yeah, I, I'll, with that, I'll share one story from my, my home assignment, and then I'll give some generalities. What great answers to my questions about how she became a Christian, and then how Josephine was led into missions serving in Eastern Europe. Don't you just love her honesty and seeing how God directed her? For me, I hear joy coming through in Josephine's answers. I'm going to save her answer to the last questions I asked about the people of Eastern Europe for next week's episode. The story she shares about her home assignment is really quite interesting in its contrast to the values of the people she lives with overseas. It sure got me thinking, and it will do the same for you when you listen to part two next week. So what does this all mean for you? Do yourself a favor and initiate with people. Start with one person. It will get your mind off whatever you're dealing with as you hear people's stories and how God is leading them. Here's the main takeaway that I hope you remember from today's episode. When we initiate with people to learn their story and how God is leading them, it opens us up to possibilities we may not have considered before. It opens us up to seeing the love of God in caring for people and meeting their needs. And when we do this, it strengthens our faith for what God does for others, He certainly can do for us. I'd love to hear any thoughts you have about today's episode. You can leave them in the leave a comment box at the bottom of the show notes. In closing, I hope your thinking was stimulated by today's show to both reflect and to act by initiating with someone. You make the first contact and see what happens. And then let me know how that goes for you. For when you initiate with people, there's a good chance you will find the joy that God intends for you through your relationships. You were made for this, you know. Well, that's all for today. I can't wait to share with you again next week when we will hear part two of Josephine's story. Take care and spread a little joy this week. Goodbye for now.